I have an eight-year-old son who's in obviously in primary school at the moment. He's in year three. And the other day he asked me to borrow a memory stick because he wanted to bring home a copy of a PowerPoint presentation that he'd made at school. He was so, so proud of it. And so he brought it home and, and showed it to me. And just before uh, we turned it on, my wife said to me, keep a straight face, not let on. And, I, <laughs> and we put it on and pretty... So they'd been given an assignment. I think it was about climate change or something. Yeah. And he'd written all this stuff. And, you know, the writing wasn't bad. He'd, but, and it was sort of every... It was like everyone does when they first start using PowerPoint. He'd written virtually an essay into PowerPoint and there was slide after slide of really dense text. Yep. And then obviously the teacher had shown them that feature where you can record a voiceover. So my son and his friend who he'd done the assignment with sit there and they read each each page of the text in that sort of halting way that eight-year-olds read. And then the really funny bit was a couple of slides where obviously they'd press the record button at the wrong time and you just hear them go, Oh, so that one was good. What do you think we should do next? Yeah, all right, we'll go on to the next one. And just <laughs> then that slide would disappear. And then that, and climate change happens when global warming like that. And then you get, oh, what are they doing? Oh, look at them. <laughs> and the next one. And I was so glad my wife had reminded me to 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 keep a straight face because. Yeah, he was so proud of it. Aww. He thought that was the best thing he'd ever made. And he still talks about wanting to use my computer to make a PowerPoint presentation Aww, about all sorts so of things. That's kind of why we decided to talk about PowerPoint today. Yep. Um, we actually had a suggestion from another teacher who's a member of the TLN asking us to create some sort of um, uh, resource about making good PowerPoint presentations. Yep. And what occurred to me was that what a good PowerPoint presentation is entirely subjective. There's, you know, there's a, there's a wealth of information around the, around what, you know, makes for a good PowerPoint presentation. But in many ways, it, it, there is no definitive answer. No. Yep, and that's it. Because there is no right or wrong answer, mm. then there's so many different ones. You know, yes, so many different styles and, mm. and everyone, I think, is completely different in how they use it, which yeah. makes it quite tricky then to do something that's really effective. Mm. And, and, and it's impossible for us to create a resource where we say this is definitely the right way. But at the same time, it's really common for teachers to use PowerPoint as, a, as an assessment item for students. You know, go away and one of the ways you can show me your knowledge is to create a PowerPoint presentation. And despite saying there's, there's no right or wrong way, there are some things that are fairly universally yes. acknowledged as not a great <laughs> way to utilise the resource. Yep. We found one of those many resources and, and it was just one of those 10 tip style resources and it, and it was fairly typical of the genre. Uh, and, and again, if you're a member of the Teacher Learning Network, we'll put a link up for this resource on our website so you'll be able to have a look through what it is we're talking about. But Kate, when you read through this 10 tips for more effective PowerPoint presentations, yep. what did you take away from it? Um, I suppose I just reflected a little bit about what I currently do, um, you know, and so I was thinking about, you know, in PowerPoint presentations. So I suppose just this moment about me actually if I'd present mm -hmm. um, you know I I actually have slides where I ask questions you know to the people in mm -hmm. the room which I think is something that probably a few years back I never did but also that I have decreased the amount of text and clutter in my slides because early on I used to love like jamming everything in yeah. and you know and, and as and as much as I felt good it probably didn't it probably wasn't easy to read mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, which, you know, is probably one of the big steps that I've taken in using PowerPoint. I think that's one of the more universally agreed upon yeah. uh, criticisms of some PowerPoint presentations. So in this article, it's, it's put as number three, no paragraphs. Um, and I, I think that's really important. I think, uh, to me, one of the things I find most insulting is when somebody creates a PowerPoint presentation that is virtually an essay. And I'll forgive my eight-year-old son because he's eight. But when an adult creates a PowerPoint presentation that's virtually an essay, they stand up in front of me and proceed to read out yes. that essay to me. Yep. I feel insulted. I feel as though um, I can read. Yes. If you just want me to have this information, just sit there and press the clicker yes. and, and I'll read it and I'll tell you when I'm ready for you to turn the page. Um, I've always felt like that's a bit of a waste of time. Yep, no, I, I, yeah, I would agree with you. You know, I think they've, there's, you know, some main points up on the slide is great and something mm. that they can talk to or refer back to or if they're mm. a little nervous or, you know, yeah. there's something that can kind of keep them on track. But I think as your main part of the information, yeah, it's definitely not the best way to do it. And, and the paying attention to design um, rule, which is number yes. four on our, our tip sheet, is an important one as well. I think I quote um, my uh, typing teacher when I was at high school quite a bit around this who had a very strong use one font rule. Yes. Um, and that's something I've taken sort of into everything I do for the rest of my life. So her idea was that um, only ever use one font on a page, but you can use it at multiple sizes and multiple styles. You can use it an italicised and bolded and different sized font on the same page, and that looks okay. Yep. It's when you start to mix fonts that things look really messy. Yep. And uh, my poor child had, again, done the same thing, getting excited about all the different fonts he could use. He'd decided to use every single one of them, I think, on some of the pages. Yep. So that's, um, yeah, it's it's hard to, to, yeah, but it is hard, the design process, mm. Once even once you've got all your information in, actually yep. just making sure it does take time, which is mm. the hard thing too. Yeah. Like I find that I don't know necessarily how it has, happens, but as I'm writing it, or actually maybe if I'm cutting other presentations into a new presentation, mm -hmm. you know, actually spending that time to make sure it looks good by having all those design elements, yep. yeah, it can take quite a little bit of time, but I think in the end it's very much worth it. Yeah. When, um, um, what, one of the other things I think about with design is um, sticking to a consistent style. Yep. So trying to only have sort of two or three different ways that my slides all look and then um, jumping you know, between those three looks yep. throughout, you know, a presentation that's infinitely larger than those three slides. Yep. That, that I think helps again to, to keep a consistency. Sometimes I think in design, consistency is, is more valuable than beauty. Yes, yes. And I think then the reader doesn't, I mean, sorry, then the person that's sitting down and, and the participant doesn't then have to worry about what's going to come next. Yeah. They're going to have a rough idea of what it's going to look like. It's just hopefully then they can focus on the information rather than all the other features that they really shouldn't be watching. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about this then is, um, were there any tips in there that you, because I've said already, I think many things about um, designer subjective. Were there any tips in, in this, you know, 10 tips for more effective PowerPoint presentations that you didn't actually agree with? Um, I'm just going to have a look. I... They were all I'm not reasonable. sure they were all pretty reasonable, yeah. but I've got to say there was two things that I really quite liked. 
talking fairly soon is first off um, the idea it said suggested of writing a script so okay. actually thinking about what you actually want to say what you actually want to get out of your presentation mm -hmm. first off and then breaking that down into a beginning middle, middle and an end oh. I normally just start writing from the start and then working my way through mm -hmm. where I think actually having that um, forward to actually think about what I want in the end and breaking it down into segments would actually be a whole lot better. How do you start to write yours? So that's interesting because that was the one more than any other that I disagreed with. I yep. think the idea of writing a script almost um, works against why you would use the tool. Yep. If you're going to write a script, why not just write a really good script yep. and, and read from a script? Um, to me, yeah, part of the joy of PowerPoint is that it allows the speaker to still express their mm. personality yep. by speaking as they usually would. Yep. I think there's something really stilted um, and, and unnatural when people yep. read from a script. Yep. So, yeah, that's one of the things I like. If, if you're using PowerPoint in that dot point format, yep. it gives you a visual reminder of what it was you are going to say yep. and a reminder that other people can have, but it still keeps you uh, more authentic and, and telling stories and focusing on... on telling a message as you would actually tell it in yep. a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing as well that I quite liked was talking about having a hook at the start of your PowerPoint, so not just starting off with a, you know, hi, welcome, oh, yeah. my name's Kate, you yep. know, but also to kind of put something up there that's quite interesting or intriguing or um, makes people start to think. Yep. And I could think that it might actually not even relate to the thing that you're presenting about, but could just be an interesting okay. fact or something yeah. that maybe is a talking piece. So I thought that could be quite to get people in and set the tone mm. and, you know, and have people engage straight away rather than knowing, you know, maybe what's going to come. Yeah. When you read a really good book, even a nonfiction book, it's amazing how often they're now written with a story up mm. front with mm. a, this typifies what we're talking about in this book, but it's told in a storytelling format. And I think that makes things more accessible and, and, uh, more natural to hear. So that could be, yeah, quite interesting. So, yeah. Excellent. Do you think we should bring in our guest I today, think Kate? that's a good idea. So, again, we've got with us Daniel, who works here at the TLN with us and is our resident technology expert, especially on all things Microsoft. So uh, we've brought in Daniel today to talk with us about uh, using PowerPoint. Oh, and we should talk about what our big question is mm. today, Kate. What's our big question around oh. using PowerPoint? Um, so really our big question is we're going to ask is what makes a good PowerPoint presentation? So Daniel. Hello. How are you going? I'm quite well, thank Excellent. you. Excellent. We'll start with just a general thought around um, what in, in your current role, in, in what way do you use PowerPoint? How do you use PowerPoint? Use? We're going to spend a lot of time today focusing on PowerPoint and its use in the classroom. Yep. But just as a way of introducing yourself and, and how you work with PowerPoint, can you just tell us about what you do and how PowerPoint's part of that? Sure. So um, my main role at the TLN is the um, program coordination, and uh, that involves me uh, coordinating all of the professional development sessions and conferences and things that we've got in our calendar. Uh, so as part of that, I work with our uh, all of the presenters uh, that we engage to deliver the content. And the vast majority of those presenters use um, PowerPoint to put together their slideshow. Um, it's pretty standard, really, isn't it? It, it, it is. It really is a standard. And mm. 
there are the the people who prefer to use Mac, mm-hmm. who will often use Keynote. Oh, yeah. You yeah. used to be a Keynote fan. Yeah. yeah, and that's just like PowerPoint. Yeah. And there are web versions that um, look different and mm. perform slightly differently, yeah. but they're just like PowerPoint. Mm. So it's a really good standard. Yeah. Um, so I work with the presenters to make sure that their PowerPoint uh, can be displayed in our online um, training environment. Uh, and then I'll also talk to them about how to design their presentation uh, so that it communicates what they want to communicate effectively. Um, just before I, we go on too far, I think just listening to your conversation then, there's a real distinction that I want to make between what um, the question, your big question is actually asking because mm-hmm. when people say what makes a good PowerPoint, mm. there's the side of it which is the where you were discussing the graphic design mm-hmm. side of it. Um, and I think the question when teachers ask it a lot of the time, how do I use PowerPoint better, they're actually saying how do I... Um, teach or present in a public speaking way Mm -hmm. better. So PowerPoint is the tool, it's actually speaking and listening, which is the thing they're talking about. Mm. And that's just the way you look at it. So I think there's two different ways of discussing PowerPoint because there's how how are you at public speaking and teaching and talking and communicating? Uh, And then there's the graphic design side of it. I think you're right, it's very difficult especially today, to extract PowerPoint from public speaking. That list we spoke about earlier, the 10 tips, many of those would apply equally to public speaking tips. Your ones around questions, Kate, um, and and your hook at the start. I think those are relevant public speaking Mm. tips rather Mm. than purely for PowerPoint. Um, I mean, I noticed um, as, as we were researching for this podcast, um, one of the places I tried to look to for an authoritative guide around PowerPoint was Toastmasters, and they do have some mm. tips around you know PowerPoint as well, mm. which I, I imagine not all that long ago they wouldn't have even acknowledged as yeah. part of public speaking, but I think today it's, it's really caught up in it. And what you said about the hook, Kate, made me think about when I did my adult training certificate, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we were told was you need to catch people's attention at the start. And so the story the person that ran our training did was um, a a colleague of hers went in and did a session with some business executives and walked in with a bucket of fish heads and put a fish head on a plate on each table and then stood up the front and said, when a company goes bad, it starts to rot from the head like a fish does. Now... That had nothing to do with the rest of the content. Yes. But it was a let's focus on what we're talking about. And you go, that was just a way to catch people's attention. Yep. So you're talking about getting a hook. Mm. You need to catch people's attention. Yep. And PowerPoint can do it, but lots of other things can do it too. Yeah. So it's interesting. So if we go back a little bit, Daniel, yeah. and look at your history with the topic, can you talk about how you used PowerPoint uh, with your students? When, yep. when you first were using it and first, you know, becoming comfortable with it? Um, so for when I started teaching, I was working with grade five, sixes. Mm-hmm. 
um, and PowerPoint was the go-to program for students to develop their presentations anytime they had a presentation yeah. to share information. So it was usually a um, SOS kind of topic, a social studies, an inquiry learning topic, integrated unit, whatever they're called these days. Yep. Um, they do all their research, gather all their information, mm -hmm. put it into a PowerPoint, stand up in front of the class, here's my project and I'm delivering content yep. Yep. Um, and of course back then they uh, there weren't as many features to PowerPoint mm -hmm. um, 15 years ago um, but they tried to include all of the features in their yeah. PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like my son, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They had every slide ended with the clapping hands oh and the noise. <laughs> and, and then you had all the different transitions between the slides and lots and of moving text images. text flying in. Text yeah. flying in everywhere and then flying out. It was fabulous, but it was very much on the visual side of yeah. it. And it, you could really get quite distracted away from the content. So... Um, over time, as technologies become more established in general, but particularly in classroom environments, um, I know when I was uh, leading IT stuff, there was a lot of um, focus on the technology being a tool to assist the learning rather than we are learning hmm. PowerPoint. Yep. Um, so then the focus came somewhat off the mechanics of how do you put in all the yep. sounds and the things, how do you actually communicate information? And I think your point you made earlier, Max, was really good. The You can forgive an eight-year-old for um, having uh, less than ideal communication throughout hmm. a PowerPoint because that's appropriate for their stage hmm. of learning. Yep. And I think... The majority of what I did with PowerPoint in schools was trying to get kids to understand, here's how you share the message, mm. and if you're putting something into PowerPoint, where's the information that you're trying to share with people? And, and that was the focus. Um, yeah, and that I want to acknowledge that you still need to spend time learning the mechanics of how to use the machine, yes. how to use the program, because mm -hmm. that's an important part to it, because um, you can't communicate effectively if you can't actually use mm. what um, the tools. Yep. Um, but they are separate skills in some respects, and it's important to focus on them in appropriate ways. What I like about the idea of using PowerPoint with students, and especially young students, is that you're never going to be able to get them to write a 2,000-word essay. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous for a young child. Yeah. But what you can do with the sort of dot-point format of PowerPoint is begin to get them to structure out an argument. Yep. So here's some sort of introduction to what I'm thinking. Mm. Here's how I build upon those ideas and here's how I summarise it at the end. Yep. Perhaps even here's how I have some sort of hook at the beginning that yep. draws in the, yep. the reader or the listener. And if that's a set of skills that a student develops from a really young age, then by the time they come to a point where cognitively they can you know, write 2,000 words in, in, a, mm -hmm. in a long sitting that structure becomes so ingrained that it's actually something that mm. rolls off the pen quite yes, easily for yes. them. I think an important point that. to that mm. is that there's a lot of work that happens outside of PowerPoint to get to that. Mm. Yes. Because learning, um, you were saying one of the tips was the beginning, middle and end. Mm. Um, that's narrative structure. Mm. And so there's a lot of work that goes mm. on learning mm. narrative structures and yep. how to write a story and persuasive text and how to write that mm. that goes on outside of PowerPoint. Yep. So this isn't PowerPoint will let you 
understand how to write better. It's Just if you work on writing, this yep. is one way that you can show what you've learnt so far. Yeah. I think um, that ability to have the recorded voiceover thing that my son yes. was doing yeah. gives you that opportunity. So if you only have the functional ability to type in 10 words onto a yep. slide, you still have the ability to speak, to speak. several hundred words yeah. and, and then record that. I think used well, that could be really and powerful. I know things that I've done in the past with students who have um, additional needs, mm. um, whether they be behavioural or mm. um some other kind of issue mm. that their child um, is experiencing. This is about the the differentiation and mm. giving yep. kids another way to engage with the work. So yep. being able to record voice mm. means that they can still demonstrate their understanding yeah. without having to grab a pen yep. and write pages. Mm. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, because I know you worked with um, secondary students who yes. had um, you know often quite difficult learning situations. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, sh sure, their literacy might not be great, but it still would have afforded you an opportunity to assess other skills yeah. and, and have a, um, an artefact that you can use for that assessment. Not really. only that, um, because PowerPoint is the way it is and it allows you to put in um, images and text in different ways and put animations mm. with the different mm. things, um, it means there's more that a student can engage with where they may not otherwise want to sit and work. So mm, yeah. um, the background to that is I worked in a teaching unit uh, with students who had significant behavioural issues. Um, so these are the kids who would regularly arc up in class and get kicked out and didn't do much work and even when they stayed in class didn't complete much. Mm. Being able to put in pictures of motorbikes and <laughs> horses yep. and rainbows meant there's something that they're interested yeah. in. Yes. And so, yes, it's going with we went down to the creek and here are the things in the frog's lifestyle and here's a picture of a motorbike riding over the <laughs> yeah. top of them yeah. um, because that helps with the engagement yeah. and allows them to not just be focused on the work because getting them to focus on only work hasn't worked out in the past. Yeah. So. Yeah these are the things that allow them to engage. And so not just students with additional needs, mm. but Kate, do you find that utilising PowerPoint as an assessment item for students is a, is a way of building engagement? For, yeah, you know? I was just thinking actually while Daniel was talking about his time with the teaching unit, um, even just last year I taught a grade six class mm -hmm. and, and, you know, but there was quite a lot of different um, abilities mm -hmm. throughout just my one class. Yeah, like any you know, class. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so what it was, it was a really good tools. It didn't matter maybe how far you were behind or how, you know, um, if you... Uh, had deeper thoughts, I suppose, than anybody else, you could still actually participate in, you know, in, in writing something like this. So it was, I think it was really good because it was something that everybody could achieve. It was just a matter of what level. Yeah. And then also, I suppose, how different people did it. You know, I know last year I got some students to present some, it was something to do with one of our inquiry topics. And um, and, and a few of them put heaps of text in, some mm. of them put a little bit of text in and spoke. But I remember even one girl actually, I think it was a persuasive um, speech, she just had the PowerPoint behind her with these quite um, 
it was a fo photographs about um, animal cruelty. Mm -hmm. And so as she spoke behind, the PowerPoint just did the, the work for her into kind of engaging the audience but then creating this, um, yeah, creating this really powerful... Um, I suppose, backing up her argument. Mm. So it was actually really quite interesting. So seeing how the students use it just across one year level but it was really good, you know, yeah. I think a really important point on that is that teachers are really good at knowing their students yep. and knowing what they're capable of. So what you were saying before about their graphic design, keeping one font, mm. meaning it's easier to read it, there are some kids who just aren't up to that yeah. and they're at the, yeah. let's make everything have funny noises. Yeah. Yes, yes. And they will have some content in there yes. and that's at their level. Yeah. Whereas some kids are better at communicating, mm. so having clear fonts and mm. styles through it is how they improve their communication. Yeah. To the story about the student yeah. just talking with the images yeah. behind yeah. because a picture paints a thousand words. Exactly. So yeah. They're at different, it, it's differentiation yeah, in the purest form. It is. Um, and it's teachers know what their students are capable of and whether the work they're producing actually represents where their learning is up to. Yep. So, yep. I, I think yep. PowerPoint's quite an easy tool as well, you know, to use. As I said, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's quite obvious and quite easy to actually have things going. So it does give yeah. the students that ability to. It's easy to, to begin, and there's a lot of powerful stuff that you can go on with. Um, and get much more complicated if you yep. choose to. So yeah. you're right, it preps and um, early childhood uh, children uh, can engage with it in a very basic way mm. that's still effective, yeah. Yeah. but it works for adults as I think, well. I think you're right, it's a continuum. Everybody needs to go through the phase of playing with the animations yeah. and the buildings <laughs> and the transitions. And it's fun. And, yeah, it yeah. is fun. Yeah. It is. It is. And then you need to get over that and move on and to using it. And even picking what colour design slide you'd like, you yeah. know, even yeah. that part's fun too. Well, I still remember um, grade six graduation when I, in my first year of teaching, we made a PowerPoint of the kids mm -hmm what they wanted to be when they grew up. Oh, yeah. So I did the animations, yeah. had their heads on <laughs> yeah. pictures that I'd, um, bodies that I'd drawn. And there was the kid that had the cricket bat and the cricket ball went, woo, 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 across the <laughs> screen. And then this other kid was doing a slam dunk over the other kids. And it can be really fun. Yeah. And there's storytelling in that. It's just how much time. And I had plenty of time to put into <laughs> that particular project. So... <laughs> Interesting. I, I want to just bring up a, an article I read a few years ago now that I thought was fascinating. It was arguing that PowerPoint in its domination of the world has narrowed thinking as a result. And the argument wasn't necessarily from the point of view of education. This was actually written um, with a business focus. It was saying that it's almost impossible to get a business idea up anymore unless it can be expressed through PowerPoint, unless wow. it works as a series of dot points. Mm. So it's almost like it, it's captured the the thinking of our society so strongly because it's so ubiquitous, like you said earlier, yep. Daniel, mm. even the tools that aren't PowerPoint are, are almost PowerPoint. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's focused on, yeah, a, a dot point structure, a built-in dot point structure and a, and a visual way of displaying things that unless your idea has some purchase in, in that world, then it'll never take off in a business world. And I think you could make a similar mm. argument about education mm. that given it's, it's one of the dominant tools that we use mm. with students, that it does, you know, 
in some way narrow thinking around uh, computers and, and just the way you share information with yep. others? I mean, I think definitely from a teaching perspective, that PowerPoint's the go-to, mm. you know. Yeah. Students automatically open their computer, they have to share something or, and yeah, that's straight, they go straight for it. Mm. I know there's so many other things out there now that they probably could use, but that's just easy. Mm. They know what they're doing, they know what they're getting, and so actually to try and stretch them, you know, unless it's something we proactively Mm. teach them with another program, yeah. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, I'm not, I think a lot of times someone comes in with that kind of yep. argument to, to, to dis current practice. And I don't even mean it that way because no. there's an argument that given that it's so ubiquitous, I'm keep mispronouncing, ubiquitous in business, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's an argument that, you know, this is the tool of choice in business. Yeah. Yep. So why, why shouldn't we be teaching it in schools? I think yep. there's so that argument. When you said that about narrowing thinking, mm. my initial reaction was a negative one and going, oh, well, it's, stamp out creativity Mm. and the more I've been sitting here thinking about it it's not necessarily a negative thing and it's important the definition you give to that idea of narrowing Mm -hmm. so we have all sat through meetings Mm -hmm. where there is just constant rambling Mm -hmm. and you say this Daniel stop rambling is what I usually say (laughs) And then I make my point anyway. (laughs) Um, The Now you've thrown me. The point is that we've all been through a meeting where we can walk out and say, that could have been an email. Yeah. And that could have been a one-sentence email, Mm -hmm. but it was 40 minutes of nothing. And I think what PowerPoint allows us to do is to think through an idea and focus on the key information. Oh, because of the yeah. dot pointing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and not even dot pointing. The fact that it's slides, where mm. it's one mm. point on yeah. one slide onto the next slide yeah. onto the next slide, because yep. you can have series of dot points mm. and different topics, yeah. and however you structure it, what it does is it narrows or focuses your thinking so that your communication's more effective. Yep. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it it doesn't necessarily remove the ability for people to be creative and like what you were saying Kate having images Mm. in conjunction with the spoken word that is the presentation is a way of narrowing the thinking to say I will explain these parts and these images will do the rest Mm. of the explanation but it does help you to narrow in on what is the point that you're trying to get across? Which is what I spend a lot of time talking with um, presenters that work with the TLN about. What is it you want people to walk away with? Has this PowerPoint slide helped you make that point so that hmm. the people listening understand? I get your point. Sometimes mm. um, that criticism that I raise mm. is actually a result, and like a lot of criticisms of a lot of tools, is a result of poor use of the tool mm. rather than um, the tools innate properties. Um, one of the things that I once... I really got excited a few years back when Prezi first came out. Yep. Um, because I, I could see how it that It seems was... like something that you'd get excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, is, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is my life now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about it was that it tried to move away from that linear model that PowerPoint yeah. has. You start on slide one and you end on slide 20. Um, Prezi, by having that sort of here is all of the slides as a whole and we zoom in and out of some and back into others, yeah. different 
parts of the slide become highlighted. I, I thought that was a really exciting break from the PowerPoint paradigm where there was just, you know, a series of slides with dot points that build in and then we move on in a linear sense. Yep. And I thought that was one way of breaking mm. that, that um, that, yeah, the paradigm that we're all caught up in. as well have tried to move yes, away that's, that's and a good point. that yeah. series yeah. of here's information but yeah. it's not a straight line. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't yet think I've seen anyone really capitalise on the use of Prezi in a way that breaks the PowerPoint paradigm. Mm. They tend to just use it as PowerPoint with different transitions yep. yeah. is, is what I've usually seen when yep. I see Prezi. I've got a, um, actually a colleague that worked um, I worked with last year mm. He um, was fabulous with his technology mm. and, yeah, he actually created a few prezies mm. for us to introduce kind of, I suppose, project-type mm -hmm. things with our students and they were so engaging, the things that he's... So at the start of a unit, we would share them with the students and we mm -hmm. could, I suppose, it gave us the ability to share one part with it right. or the whole thing, but then also students could then go home and open up this prezi so they knew what they needed to have done. Mm. But they were so engaged... They thought this was, like, amazing. So do you think he had managed to break the PowerPoint way of thinking about Prezi? Yes. Or was that yeah, 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 yeah. I actually think he did. And um, and even this year, he even though he's moved interstate, um, he's actually sent me a couple of the ones he's created because he, even in himself he's got so excited yeah. about what he's about to yeah. share with it his students. It sounds like my kind of... Yes, kind of person, I think, you know? yes, you two would get on quite well. <laughs> I think the key point is if you look for a PowerPoint that you find engaging and that works really mm. well and you really start to pick it apart, mm. there's a clear message that's being communicated. So it comes back to that, what is the message you're trying to leave everyone with? Yep. Are you communicating? Do you have things that distract from that topic? And that's, I think, more important than what you end up doing with the transitions between the slides. Yep. <laughs> so at a functional level, when, when you're asked to create a PowerPoint, Kate, for something, what's your thought process and what's your work process in creating a PowerPoint presentation for anything? Just, just how I start. Mm. Um, I think what I try and do is nut out the slides. Like I kind of... Oh, I suppose... I, yeah, when, look, when I plan, and even if I'm planning a piece of writing, an article or something, mm -hmm. I find that I have to actually almost brainstorm it out first. Yeah. So I think, though, every time I seem to write a PowerPoint presentation that I do it differently. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it will be just starting with the first initial slides. Mm -hmm. And then as I think about something that I want to add further, then I might go and add another yeah. slide and then come back. So I find sometimes it can be a little messy, yeah. but then I have it kind of working. So, But I think a lot of the time that I end up spending on it is then trying to revise and edit it to then make sure that it's it's smooth, yeah. not just all of my <laughs> thoughts. Brain dump. Yeah, my brain dump. Yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, not a really a clear way to do it, yeah. but I find I just need to brain dump first and then rearrange them and, and also I suppose take things out too because I find I write a fair bit yeah. sometimes. Yeah. How about you Daniel? Um, so a few years ago when I was working at the teaching unit we wrote reports on the students that were all um, just paragraphs, mm -hmm. no yeah. dots or anything yeah. um, and I remember clearly which I now use as my default reminder I was having trouble writing this student's report and it dawned on me, I'm writing a, um, a report text. 
I teach kids how to write these. Mm -hmm. And I'm not following any of the things <laughs> yeah, that I've yeah. told the kids to do. I need to write a plan. Oh, yeah. So whenever, whether it's a report or a budget report or whatever, a presentation, I do a plan. So I'll work out my introduction, here's my main message, here's the second point, whatever's in the middle, and then here's my conclusion. Um, and so once I've got that, I then use that to start each one will be a slide. Mm -hmm. And then if I, I start doing dot points about what's the main idea I'm trying to do here, and then I'll add slides into each section as needed, depending on how much mm -hmm. I've actually yeah. got to get through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, it starts with that initial plan, which is the same plan I got my grade three, four students to write. <laughs> yep. So I thought if it was good enough for them, then it should be good enough for me. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> What about you, Max? I've, I've got a few things that I think about if I create a PowerPoint presentation. Um, much like you, Kate, I, I do a bit of a brain dump. I use it as a initially uh, sort of a, you know, here's all the ideas I've got. And I, I, like most people, would create sort of a series of pages with dot points and with all the different sub-ideas and, and, and spread it out from there. Um, one of the other things that I try really hard to do with any presentation is to come up with the, the key idea, the main message, which I can summarise in one sentence, and I put that at the front, sort of going, this is this is the big thing. If you don't listen to anything else I say for the next yep. however long, take this one idea away. And I try and make sure there's a, there's a narrative from there that everything else that I say throughout it somehow links back to that main statement that I return to at the end. But the, this one thing that I do obsessively now is after I've created these pages with the, the dot points on them, I go through every single one of them and copy that text into the um, into the notes section of PowerPoint. So I've got you know a copy of what it was I wanted to say and then I delete every single word from the slide and replace it with some kind of image. Yep. So if somebody watches me do a slide, a PowerPoint presentation, it's usually just a series of images. It's very rarely a lot of text. Um, there's a number of reasons I do that. Um, one is I think it makes it more interesting. It makes it seem more authentic. It looks like I'm just talking off the cuff in many ways with just a few notes that I've usually printed out because um, you can print from a PowerPoint presentation with the notes there. Um, one of the other things is um, we, we get a lot of requests from people at TLN looking for copies of PowerPoint yep. slides. Yep. And so the very first time I did this, it was almost like a test case to see or how much stock do people put in PowerPoint slides? So I created an entire presentation that was really just a series of photos of dogs that each photo would be a kind of a metaphor <laughs> for the topic, but it wasn't actually any way related to what I was talking about. Yep. And by the fourth or fifth slide of a different type of dog doing a different action, somebody asked for the PowerPoint slides. And <laughs> I, I was actually staggered. I thought, oh, you do realise they're just going to be photos of dogs for the rest of the PowerPoint slide. Were they cute dogs? Very, very <laughs> cute dogs. And, um, and puppies? <laughs> <laughs> no, there were no puppies. Oh. No, no. Um, yeah, so I, that surprised me. But so, so in part, I was doing it just to try and be cute, like, you know, try and be cute in a way. Yep. Um, but in another, I, I like it. I like that it, as a technique, I like that it makes people... Uh, listen really yes, hard to what you're saying yes. because there's not that sheet of being how to read ahead. Um, and also uh, the, sometimes with the whole metaphor thing visually, um, people have to sort of think, well, so why why is this slide represented by a Dalmatian? How does, yep. how does that link in? 
Um, yes, so, and, and I know this is meant to be about um, what makes for a good PowerPoint presentation. I'm not necessarily saying that <laughs> that 100% makes for a good PowerPoint yep. presentation. It's just what I do and it's the current framework I take into to creating a presentation and it stops me from ever doing that trap that I mentioned at the beginning, which is placing a slab of text onto screen and then reading it out in front of a group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you guys were talking earlier about the script and mm. um, I think I sit somewhere in between um, the points you were both making because yep. I think reading a script like a robot mm. can be off-putting yep. to some people, but you look at the nightly news mm. and they read from a teleprompter yep. and it's quite a script and that has some success. Yep. Um, and then going off the cuff just from dot points is also successful because there's an authenticity to it. So mm. sometimes it's more about what notes or scripting do you as the presenter need mm. to help keep you on your message? Yep. Yes. Um, because sometimes I know... Um, when I'm talking about behaviour and managing behaviour, there are some issues that impact student behaviour that can be quite delicate. Mm -hmm. So I know if I put a dot point, discuss family impact, mm -hmm. there are some touchy subjects that I don't want to flippantly use the wrong yeah. words. So yeah. I'll, I'll script that more yeah. mm -hmm. um, and so that I know I'm not going to ramble off onto some tangent. Um, which I may be doing given the face you're giving me at the moment. Um, but it, it depends on what scripting do you need to yes. help you stay on topic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that depends on what you're mm. actually doing and who you are and how comfortable mm. you are talking in front of groups. Yes. So if somebody was in, you know, just starting out in PowerPoint were fairly new to it, what tip would you give to them that they could use tomorrow with PowerPoint, what's one of the you know, most useful features of it yeah. or something to keep in mind while you're designing a, a set of slides within PowerPoint? Oh, see, there's lots of useful features that we haven't talked about that I don't want to just, you could go and do this and this and this and <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I think it, for me, and as I was saying before, what I do with our presenters is exactly what I do when I do my presentations and it's what's the plan What's my main message? How will I introduce it? What's my main, um, the body of the content yep. and my conclusion? Yep. So what am I trying to communicate? What prompt do I need on the screen to allow me to communicate that? And then put the slides together so that it does that. Animations and things that make it more engaging can mm. come later. I'm always first and foremost about what are people going to take away yep. from what you're explaining? Kate, how would you answer that? What would you say? A tip for... Um, I'm just trying to think, because I think we've said so many, you know, things that are... I suppose that are good um, ways to set up your PowerPoint mm. and how we all do it. So I'm trying to think exactly what would be one good tip to use. Um, but I think just making sure, yeah... I don't, look, I don't know how to actually answer that in just one question. So, no, I'm not sure. What about you, Max? Like, I actually don't... Um, yeah. Are there, uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. You seem to be saying something about the graphics earlier and, and like yeah, the font I, making yeah, it Yeah, well, I suppose visually. if, you know, if your design is good throughout the whole way mm -hmm. through and then you've got some good points in there, I think that will flow and I think it'll be able to, you know, hopefully help the presenter then, um, you know, be able to communicate their message. Um, I know that, you know, I add more text um, in on my slides and then obviously lots of notes because, you know, making sure that I say exactly what I need to say and communicate it. But also, you know, I suppose building my confidence up to speak. And when I speak more regularly and present more, then my confidence is fine. So I find I have less notes. So it's really just about what, what presentation I'm doing and who, who it's for. And then I kind of change things from there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that notes section as well. I think it's a way of uh, surprising your audience. So you don't always have to have everything display on screen if you've yep. got a good gag that you want to use and you're worried you might forget it rather than putting it on screen so everyone yep. laughs before you get to deliver it. Hiding it in your notes section is a good place to put it. Um, and similarly, if if you want to minimise the number of words on screen but you need some words as a prompt, that note section's really, really powerful way of hiding them but still having them. Um, there was a presentation you gave recently, Max, that I was really interested in um, and it was all visuals. Yep. Um, and I think I was never great at uh, art mm -hmm. and that's my self-assessment um, there. Uh, and so I never gravitated towards it, but I know your experience in early childhood has had a lot to do with using visuals. Um, so you have a very different approach mm. with your reliance on visual material mm. on the screen, which I think is a really, a really good thing to point out as well. Thanks. We'll, we'll go to the, the, the main question now, though, and, and a quick revisiting of that. So yep. um, what makes for a good PowerPoint presentation? What do we think we've come to here? How would we answer that question in a large sense? So, for me, uh, it's all about the audience. Does the presentation that you've put together or that you're watching communicate an idea, yep. whether it's visually or text-based or yep. oral, orally listening to mm -hmm. them speak? Yep. Um, is the message clear and coming through and you're able to walk away at the end of the session and go, I understand that better? Yep. What about you, Kate? What yeah, you I think with? that's right, like communicating your message, but also I suppose making sure that it's engaging enough too that mm. people aren't going to fall asleep in the corner. <laughs> 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 that people are still wanting to actually look and follow along and, you know, and, and they, I suppose they can follow along too. I'd, I'd say, and it comes from almost where you started, Daniel, what makes for a good PowerPoint presentation is the same thing that makes for any good speech. Um, in many ways, the PowerPoint presentation needs to make sure it doesn't get in the way Yep. Of, of, of being an engaging and authentic speech. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to separate out the two and too often PowerPoint is the, the tool that's lying in the way of creating something that's actually interesting to listen to. Yep. Thanks a lot for joining us yep. today, Daniel. Thanks, it's Daniel. been a great, fun discussion. Yep. Um, and you don't have to laugh at that. I actually <laughs> do enjoy these things. <laughs> and thanks, Kate. Yeah, thanks no, for being part of it again. Thank you. Uh, so, 
just a reminder, the Teacher Learning Network podcast, as well as being available to everybody, is available as a way of uh, earning extra professional development hours against uh, any form of registration that you have as a teacher. If you're within Victoria, you can generate a certificate for these PD hours by going to our website if you're a member of the Teacher Learning Network. It's www.tln.org.au. If you're not a member of the TLN, you can join by going to www.tln.org.au forward slash join. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you again soon. The Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation. Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in our professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day, and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.